Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. Oh, I feel good. If you're a leader with managers reporting to you, I want to ask you a few questions to ask yourself. Does your leadership team work seamlessly together? Are they focused and organized? Do they function well or fight each other? Do they communicate effectively or are they cloaked with confusion? Do they make decisions efficiently and effectively? Are they hiring, training, and keeping the best talent? If someone leaves, do you have an A player waiting on the bench? Well, if you can't answer yes to all of the above, then perhaps I can help you and your team. I help leadership teams work together harmoniously and achieve greater business results. If you want a, a free assessment and a discussion, just email me, steve at managermojo.com. Tell me you'd like to, to chat for a little bit and we'll schedule a call. Thank you, that's steve at managermojo.com. Hello and welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here, and I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest today. My special guest is Rob Schallenberger. Uh, he is a, recognized globally as a leading authority in planning and execution. Now, you're going to know more about Rob because of their national best-selling book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. Now, this book includes uh, 40 years of research from peak performing companies, and Rob is going to share with us some of those principles today. Uh, keep in mind, he's also going to share some lessons that he's learned as a fighter pilot himself in ways uh, that we can ignite our teams, encourage our leaders, and fuel high performance at every level. Uh, Rob and his father uh, co-host a popular podcast as well called Becoming Your Best. And uh, so, Rob, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Glad to have you here today. Well, first of all, thank you, Steve. Uh, it's an honor to be on your show, and I don't treat that lightly. You know, who you invite onto your show is always a big deal. And so, first of all, thank you to you. And then second of all, you know, without even knowing your listeners on a face-to-face -face basis, you know, thank you to the listeners for making the time in your schedule. While so many people are crazy busy in this world, you know, you're making the time to get better, to develop in some way or another, and there's a lot to be said for that. And so, uh, first of all, thanks, Steve, for having me on the show. Well, it's my pleasure, Rob, and uh, I know it's going to be a tremendous blessing to our listeners today. They're going to, to really learn a lot, and I can't wait to get your thoughts. Uh, but before we begin, why don't you share with the listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work? <laughs> well, I was like setting the bar high, you know, on a podcast. It's going to be a great show. It's going to bless a lot of lives. So no pressure there, right? <laughs> None at all. Uh, but I'm confident well, it's going to be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. 
you know, I just got back from New York with my wife. We have four children. Our oldest is a boy, 16, and then three girls. And this was just, an, it was a fun experience. Uh, my son plays the piano. He plays football and skis and kind of an interesting combination. But we had the chance to go out to New York and watch him play in Carnegie Hall. Oh, my. And it was just a very cool experience. So I'm sitting there, and, and his teacher is a man named Dr. David Hatch. And he has about eight or nine students that he takes on a tour each summer. So two years ago was Israel, last year was Mexico, this year's New York and Canada, uh, up in the eastern side of Canada. And so we're sitting there in, in Carnegie Hall, and we're watching these students play, including my 16-year-old son. And I'm just thinking, you know, how many hundreds and hundreds of hours went into this performance right here? And it was really cool to see my son up there knowing the hard work that's been in the background to get to that point. And, you know, he's just an ordinary young man. That happened to be an extraordinary experience that we had with him. And it was just a cool thing to be able to sit there and see him get the reward and the payout for all of this hard work that's gone on, you know, that's gone on in the background. And he teaches piano to like nine different students and he's juggled his schedule with all these things. And there's times where he's motivated and times where he's not motivated and everywhere in between. And so that's just something that was fun. We just got back from New York yesterday. We watched that happened last week and uh, it's always fascinating to me to see someone who's a master at their craft do the performance whether it's on a basketball court you know some sort of arts or whatever it is and really that's the culmination of thousands of hours of practice so there you go something that was fun that we just got back from doing if that if that's what you're looking for that is exactly what I'm looking for because I I think it's fantastic congratulations to you and uh, to your whole family and uh, especially for setting uh, the example that uh, hard work and diligence pays off uh, in the reality is uh, people think well you know only special people can do uh, fun things like that but i found that to be totally not the truth not the truth at all it's people that dedicate themselves and really practice and work hard that that get those kind of opportunities and uh, what an awesome uh, experience for you guys and thanks for sharing it with our listeners today because our listeners are, are also uh, trying to dedicate themselves to becoming better leaders more successful leaders they want successful teams and I know that your knowledge and your hard work there is also going to help all of us now, uh, it, it, let me just tell our listeners, Rob, if you have not purchased a copy of Becoming Your Best yet, uh, get out there and go do it. We'll provide a link in uh, this particular episode to make it easy for you to get your, your copy of the book. Uh, and I, I'll tell you, you're going to learn so much about this book, and I'll be sharing more about that with Rob as we go through but I, I want you to understand there are some books that you need to read two, three times every year. And this is one of those books that I actually believe you need to read two or three times a year in order to gain the most experience out of it. And I have to say that Rob's dad, Stephen, also does that very same thing. He, he reads this book even though, uh, you know, he, he researched it and provided us all this amazing content, but he also studies it. And the reason is because these lessons are universal. So with, with that little minor buildup, Rob, I, I, I would imagine that uh, you could help uh, kind of enlighten our listeners to what really went in behind developing Becoming Your Best 
And why do you believe, after sharing this with numerous companies, what do you believe really is going to be takeaways? What are what are you seeing that people do? Yeah, well, it's a great question. Since we are kind of on this note of behind the scenes, uh, let me share where this came from because I actually agree with you. You know, whether we authored this or not, this is a life-changing book for a leader to read. You know, leadership is one of those things that I don't know of many tougher things in the world to be a leader because you have to wear so many hats as a leader. Amen. You know, there's leading your own life. You know, either lead a life by design or you live a life by default. So it starts by leading our own lives. And then our sphere of influence expands from there. We may have families. Uh, we may have teams. And you're required to be a great listener. Uh, you're required to give direction. And there's just so many hats that you wear as a leader. It's one of the most difficult things we do. And so where this book, Becoming Your Best, becomes so valuable is back in the 70s, my dad started a company and had 500 sales reps. And he started asking the question, how can he help each one of these sales reps reach their fullest potential? Because if at an individual level, they're becoming their very best. They're achieving their fullest potential. You know, the results of the company are going to go through the roof. Now, he was young at the time. You know, he's 27 or 28 years old, and so he started researching this. Well, what sets apart great leaders and high performers from everyone else? And he thought it was going to take a couple of years. <laughs> and fast forward the clock, it took 40 years. <laughs> now, in the meantime, I was a fighter pilot for 11 years flying the F-16, and, and we knew about five years prior to me getting out of the Air Force that we were going to start this company together and build on this research. And so I got out and joined him in this research. So we've interviewed hundreds of people, read countless biographies, and what we were looking for, Steve, was the common denominator of success. You know, is there something or are there certain things that you see over and over in great leaders and high performers? Because our theory is and was if there was an answer to that question, and if that was the case, then you could teach that to other people. And I love what you have on your website. You know, the leaders aren't born. It's something that we can do and develop, and certainly we have different gifts and talents that we're born with. But anyone can get better and be a better leader than they are today, tomorrow. And so from that research, we identified 12 principles of highly successful leaders, and these are extremely powerful predictors of success and failure if they're violated. And I've trained organizations from the Dallas Cowboys to Charles Schwab. Uh, we've certified trainers, Becoming Your Best Trainers with Equifax and numerous other companies. We've been all over the world and seen the impact that happens within organizations when teams focus on these 12 principles. Uh, and what's interesting is on the outside, Steve, they sound fairly simple. And right. I love, I, I just got <laughs> back from a group and, and one of the leaders said, you know, if you look at these on the outside, they seem fairly simple, but the truth is, we rarely focus on these, let alone in the company setting. He's exactly right. Uh, uh, we rarely focus on anything today, Rob. That's part of the problem. Uh, focus well, is one of those things that people are really struggling with in this hectic day and time that everybody is so freaking distracted that I don't think that their powers of focus are really tuned in. Yeah, and do you mind if I just share a couple of statistics with you? Some, from I some don't of our mind research at all. On this, Steve? Please do, go so for it. Question I often get asked is, you know, what are some of the 12 principles? So number one is be true to character. You know, we don't lie, cheat, or steal. If we do, we're toast in the water. The other 11 don't even really matter at that point. Uh, number two is to lead with a vision. Great leaders lead with a vision. People aren't left to guess where they're going. And when we do a keynote or a seminar for a company, one of the things that they'll do is an organizational assessment as part of that. So we send that out in advance and they send it to their employees. 
And we found that in most organizations, less than about 30 to 35% feel like they know what the company vision is and how their role supports that vision. Not surprised even, at all. It's, it's even different in a, in a senior team. Uh, so just in the last month, I've done three separate st- strategic planning sessions with different companies. And if you ask a senior leadership team, you know, are you aligned? Most of them will initially say yes. Uh, we've had them on a, on a three by five card write down, what are your top three to four areas of focus over the next one to three years? And it's amazing how different their answers are. And so that's the whole point of having a vision in a clear direction. Less than 1% of people have a written personal vision. And, oh, you know, staggering, could, isn't it? We could talk about stories about this. I didn't have this until I was like 18 or 19 years old. Uh, but it's amazing the clarity and the focus that can come into one's life when they actually take the time to sit down and develop a written personal vision that gives them that, that personal direction. And, and so that, those are just two of the principles. Uh, Rob, and what's interesting I, I think is, that's pretty awesome. Uh, it, it's really cool that you're, uh, that not only does the book demonstrate these things, but to me, the thing that's beautiful about this is that we see that the same problem continues to come up over and over again. It's year after yep. year across business segments, business industries. It doesn't matter. It, it's consistently what I call the human experience. Yeah, that is exactly right. And that's why these 12 principles in particular are so predictive of success because they are the very same things that came up over and over when we asked the question, what's made you so successful? <laughs> uh, the highest performers, the greatest leaders would say, I, I led with a vision. I decided early on I was going to be honest in all that I did. Uh, number five, for example, is to treat people right. Live the golden rule. We can't step on people our entire lives and expect to be successful. Well, you can, you can try, but eventually uh, you're going to step on a landmine, and that's going to be the end of your experience as a leader. And, uh, yeah, and it, you know, it, it's tough. It, Go ahead. To your point, eventually you're going to step on a landmine, we know people that run businesses with an iron fist. Yep. And that, that may appear to get short-term results, but the truth is that particular individual that rules with an iron fist, when they're age 70, are most likely gonna be alone. Oh, I, I love that, Rob. Uh, one of the things that I share uh, often, and uh, some people get it, but frankly, most don't. Uh, because they have this idea that you gotta that leadership is is all some kind of textbook oriented uh, task list, and instead of being heart based, and and I keep uh, trying to uh, use an example. I'll say, look, if you climb to the top of the mountain and you look around and you're a leader, and you're the only person present, you failed, because <laughs> people have to be with you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And Steve, if we look at this, even in our own lives, and are you still there, by the way? I am here. I'm listening. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I got a little click on the phone. Nope. No I was just thinking the other day, I was coming home from leading a seminar with a group in Seattle. And as we were reflecting on that particular principle of lead with a vision, I just thought, you know, uh, let's look at my own vision. And so I mm-hmm. asked myself three questions on the flight home and I spent an hour and a half reflecting on these three questions. Because the truth is we can all be better. You know, we can be better parents, better spouses. Right. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is good, better, best. Never let it rest till the good is better and the better is best. 
<laughs> I love that. That's great. That's a great so saying. Does, I love that. You know, if, if we get to the point in this life where we wake up and we say, I'm fine the way I am, I'm good to go, you know, for what purpose? Shouldn't we want to get better every day in each of our roles in life? And so as I was flying home from Seattle, there was three questions I asked myself, and that was, in 50 years today, how do you hope others will look back and think of you? Mm-hmm. The second question was, who are some of your mentors or the people that you've looked up to throughout your life? And I'm looking at myself in this case. And what are the characteristics and attributes that really set them apart that you admired? Right. And the third question is, in 10 to 20 years from now, what are some things you would like to have accomplished? And it was amazing because we talked about that, but taking an hour and writing them down, and I already have a written personal vision, and, and we invite people to do this by roles. Uh, but simply reflecting on those answers was powerful. And might I just powerful. share one more thought on this, Steve? No, not at all. Go right ahead. What's interesting about these 12 principles, and we've used lead with a vision for just a few minutes as an example here, is that one without the other doesn't work. And it was an executive who recently said after a seminar, he said, you know, it's all 12 of these that come together to create a chemistry of excellence. And he's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I agree they with are that. principles. I and totally agree with seven, that. Yeah. Principle number seven, for example, is be an effective communicator. Principle six is build and maintain trust. So great leaders are focused on all of these together. So for example, if you have a person and they say, you know what, I've got a clear vision, we have our great plan and our strategy on how we're gonna realize the vision, but that person is a terrible communicator and all of their actions don't build trust but erode trust with their team, they're gonna fail or gonna be far short of what they could have accomplished. Conversely, if you have someone who's a great communicator, they have an amazingly high level of trust, but they're trying to lead a team and they have no vision and no plan, that doesn't work. And so as we lead our families in our own life and our teams, these are so predictive of success because it's when you bring them together that it really can transform anyone and take where they are today and make them better. And I'll look at myself in the mirror and say the same about myself. Uh, It applies to all of us. Well, I I think it's a check and balance uh, for us to look at all 12 because they do mix together perfectly to to achieve your goals. You know, when you were mentioning your three, uh, if I might, I want to humbly add a fourth thing to that. And that, that fourth thing would be that does your vision need refinement today? And the reason that I'm saying that, uh, and I just want to share my story, my, my little personal feeling on that, and then I want to ask you about your experience uh, as well. And, and the reason that I say that is that uh, you mentioned you started at 18 with your personal vision. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm considered up there in the senior citizen realm today. I've had a lot of experience <laughs> over, the, over the years. And, uh, but... The reality is, it, I may have more years on the outside, but on the inside, I, w- I want people to understand what vision really can do. Because in my own personal case, by the time I was 13 years old, I had an incredibly clear vision. I started working for other people at 13 years old. But my vision was not to go work and make a bunch of money. My vision at that time, I knew I was going to make money. I knew I was going to be good in business. But what I I knew that I needed was the ability to really uh, have a mindset to continually be educated all of my life. In my family, 
no one on either my mother's side of my family or my father's side had ever even been to college, much less graduated from college. And so at a very early age, I had this incredible goal. My vision was that one day I'm gonna walk across the stage, I'm going to be a college graduate, and I'm going to utilize that experience to improve my life and my business life and my family's life. And because I had that vision, things started coming together. I was successful in work. I wound up being very successful in school. I got a wonderful four-year scholarship to go to college. I graduated college. I've had a successful business career. But all during that time, the groundwork was that, look, I had to go get my degree. And because I did, now my daughters have done that. I've got son-in-laws that have done that. I mean, the, the reality is it planted the seeds of being a continual leader. And so what are we doing today? We're sharing uh, excellent ideas. We're teaching people. We're educating them today because of your work and your, your mission and mine. So I think our vision adjusts, but that core vision is so powerful all our lives, in my opinion. Do you agree with that, Rob, that that can really be a powerful thing for us to do? I agree 100% with everything you just said, Steve. That was awesome. And it sounds to me like that was a very compelling vision for you when you were younger. It's still just as clear today as it was then, because now it's not like I'm going to, I mean, I don't need to go back to, to college <laughs> at this point, but you know what? I'm constantly learning things about my passion, which is business, blessing people in business, helping them to provide great jobs, great income, and great companies for their customers. That's, that's my passion. And with, with you, I, I couldn't help but think as I, I, I looked at, at your experience and, and the work that you're doing with Becoming Your Best, and I, I thought about your experience as a fighter pilot. And I couldn't help but think, Rob, if you got into the, the cockpit of that fighter plane and you didn't have a clear vision of your mission, how dangerous would that be? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I was, I was actually 18 when I really clarified it, but I was 16 when I sat in this big event. As a teenager, it was pretty tough for me. I, you know, I didn't have a lot of direction, although I had an incredible uh, mom and dad who tried to give me direction, you know, but I was a little bit of a stubborn teenager. <laughs> Welcome and to the 16, class. I remember, <laughs> it was a tough time. I kind of want to go back and kick myself in the fanny sometimes, but uh, we don't do that. We look forward. Uh, but I remember at 16, I sat in a stadium, 55,000 people in the stands. It was July 4th. It's called the Stadium of Fire, and these four F-16s flew by. And my brother and I looked at each other and said, someday we're going to fly those jets right over this stadium. Awesome. And that was the seed. And I love, you use the same word. There's this statement that says, your personal vision is the seed of your legacy. Yep. And I believe that if we plant the seed, if we do the work to plant the seed, that it has the chance to grow. It at least has a chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just like you, I went to work on that vision. And, you know, seven or eight years later, became a fighter pilot, as did my brother. And almost 15 years later from that day, uh, we flew over the stadium of fire together, both in our separate F-16s. That is absolutely and awesome. What a story. 
it was the power of a vision, though. Without that vision, there's no way that would have happened. And you talked about a shifting vision that can shift over time, and I certainly agree that, you know, sometimes it can shift a little bit. And you mind if I just share a thought with your listeners on, on maybe a way that they could develop a personal vision if they haven't already? Absolutely. Go for it. I want, to, want them to hear that. And I'm not going to go through all the steps, but here's just at least a basic thought. And uh, this is one of the things we'll do with leaders. And uh, I've done this with some of the most senior leaders with presidents of countries who didn't have a written vision before, uh, down to frontline employees and stay-at-home parents. So anybody can do this. Uh, and that is first to look at your life or yourself through the lens of your different roles that matter most to you. So you might be a parent, a spouse, you know, manager. Uh, and the most important role is personal. In other words, taking care of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And as you look at your life through those different roles, what does the very best version of you look like in that role? How would you describe it? And think of the vision as very high level. It's easy to confuse a vision and a goal. So we try to delineate those as the goals are the milestones. They're very specific and measurable. The vision is the end desired outcome. And like you said, you know, and early on it was your desire to walk across the stage. There's a lot of things that had to go into you getting across that stage. And so, for example, one of my roles is spouse, and my vision that I've had now for four years, and I've only changed one word over the course of four years, and my vision in the role of spouse is that I am a kind and caring husband who always helps Tanya feel like a 10. I'm totally faithful in thought and action, and I'm constantly striving to compliment her, serve her, and be the husband of her dreams. Beautiful. And that's my guide. And each year when I develop my annual goals by roles, they should align with that vision. And if we're doing things that don't align with our vision, then why are we doing them? And the same can be said for a company. You know, if there's things that don't align with the vision and the strategy, then why are we doing them? And how much wasted time and effort goes into some of those things? So I totally agree with your statement, Steve. I very much believe in the power of a vision. I've seen it way too many times to not. Well, I, I just think that the mistake that people do, and uh, the, the reason that I really wanted to spend so much time on this is because they may start a vision or they may have a vision, but they don't ever work to refine it. In other words, get it so clear that they can envision yeah. it. They see it in their mind each and every day. And when they get up every day, they need to be excited about doing something that will move the ball forward to achieve that vision. And without thinking about it, uh, you have no chance. You're, you're not going to know where you wind up if you start out and just say, well, you know, I hope I get through the day okay today. Well, th th what a terrible way to live. And yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, from a standpoint, doing that with your, people don't realize the value of, uh, of actually practicing these techniques in your home life. And what I love so much about uh, becoming your best as a book uh, for our listeners, I want you guys to understand that it, this is broken down in the way you actually truly do live your life. It's broken down into three basic sections. Number one is on transformational leadership. How you, what are those principles? Then it talks about building transformational teams and great relationships. Wonderful sections on that. But the third and most important part for me is how are you going to live a transformational life? How are you going to yeah. put all of these things together to live a great life so that when you're done, when your time is up, 
that you're saying, you know what, I lived it to the very best of my ability, I had a great vision, and I'm thankful that I lived that way. That, to me, is really powerful, Rob, and that's why I just, I just love this so much, because I think that we need that today more than ever. Uh, are you, am I correct in, in really describing it that way in the book? Yes, and I mean, keep in mind, we've only really focused most of our time and attention on one of the 12 principles. We have. What I found, though, is exactly what you just said. If a person, if a person's current reality is out of alignment with their vision, there's going to be a real feeling of discontentment in their life. Uh, And I would even say maybe our lives. Almost everyone I know, at some point in their life, their current reality was disconnected from their vision, and it just created a feeling of discontentment. Totally. The question is, how do we bring our life back in line with our vision? And, you know, since we're, since your listeners or many of them are managers and leaders in organizations, do you mind if I just share in two minutes why this is so important for their employees? Absolutely. Go for it. Uh, And I I don't want to lose this thought that you're on because you are spot on. The number one, and before I do that, the number one feedback that we get after the seminars is saying, you know what, this is going to have such a huge impact in my personal life. And everybody's been to all kinds of business trainings before, and it's almost exclusively focused on business. What this does that's so different is it ties into their personal lives and their relationships and their business. And because it reaches all those different areas, it becomes so powerful in their lives and and what it it does for people. So I think you're spot on with that, Steve. And why this isn't so... Go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying, so why this is so important for employees is because right now employee engagement in the United States is almost hovering around 30% and declining. That means that two out of three employees are disengaged, which means they come to work, they do their job, they go home. An engaged employee is defined as someone who comes to work, innovates better ways to contribute to the team, new ideas. That's an engaged employee. And on average, one engaged employee can do as much in productivity as three disengaged employees. And I think we all get that if we just mentally went through a list of names of people we know that are our go-to people. (laughs) Uh, and then there was a professor at Yale and tying this all together who did a study and she found that people see themselves in either a job a career or a calling and that's one of the questions in our organizational assessment that we do with an organization is we ask them where do you see yourselves in one of those three categories and over and over and over the highest performers see what they do as a calling and this professor at Yale found it does not matter what industry you're in it transcends industry so I've seen construction workers, groundskeepers that are in dirt all day with the weeds, rental, uh, shuttle drivers, you know, from the airport to the rental car facility. It doesn't matter what industry, anyone who sees themselves in the calling is very likely to be in that engaged group and be a very high performer in their organization. And it's amazing what happens when a leader can transform the way their employees think when they combine a mindset and a skill set to not only engage them, but to help them see what they do at as minimum as a career and then many times as a calling. And it has a huge impact because when I'll ask in a seminar, and this is the last comment I'll make, when I ask in a seminar, write down what percentage of potential you feel like your team or employees are using right now. The average is 50 to 60%. Yeah. And there's a Um, lot being left on the table and this is a leadership issue. And having a vision and some of these other principles are what will engage teams. They're what will allow people to achieve their fullest potential, which reflects very much on the leader, and it's what has a huge impact in their personal lives. 
Well, I totally agree, and I think the 50 to 60 percent was probably a little overestimated for, for most people on what they really believe, uh, because <laughs> I, I don't see that. But from a, a standpoint, the one part about this, and, and I, we could go on and on all day today, and I, in uh, re respect to our, our listeners, I don't want to go too long. But one of the things that, I, that uh, is really covered beautifully in the book, in, and I happen to think it's one of the most important things that are missing today all over the country, both at home and at business, is this concept of accountability. We have, for some reason or another, uh, we, we tend to believe that you could tell people what to do and they should do what you say, but don't hold me accountable for what I told you to do. I mean, it, it's, it drives me bonkers when I see this over and over and over again. And uh, that's why I think what you're talking about right now with our teams and getting engaged people, uh, we have to learn how to put the whole package together. Otherwise, we're walking around with uh, less than a full load of ammo. And I know you wouldn't get into a fighter plane unless it was fully loaded with ammunition so you could do your job. Why do we not do the same thing in our businesses? It makes no sense to me. But I, well, I, I love your comments. And this will be my last comment. I know that our time is just about up here. It's interesting you be about principle number nine, be accountable. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge lack of that. And what I've found is the greater the emotional quotient is of a person, of a leader, and I'm looking at all of us. Yeah. The easier it is for that person to be accountable and take responsibility for their actions. When there's a low emotional quotient on someone, it's much more easy, or I should say, it's much more difficult for that person to take responsibility. It's a lot easier to blame others. And that's primarily the culture we live in. It is, and totally. The, the toughest person to be accountable with is the person that we're emotionally closest with, which tends to be our spouse or partner. Next in line, our children. You know, next in line, the people were around all day at work, coworkers, team members. And it, it is a real skill set to develop to be able to learn how to take responsibility and what we can do as leaders. For example, just shifting from using the words we to I. Here's what I could have done better. Totally changes the tenor of a conversation. And this is something that we all work on. I mean, I find myself in my own family. You know, am I doing, am I taking responsibility for this? Or is this something that I'm pushing on someone else when I could have done this and this and this better? Yep. Start with yourself and then work on everybody else. Uh, it's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, it's I, what it, we do in a fighter pilot debrief. It, it, there you go. It, it's a beautiful thing. Rob, uh, I know people are going to want to know more about your great work. Uh, why don't you share with them how they can connect with you and know more about becoming their best? Yeah, pretty simple. And I'll offer something that I wasn't going to offer, but you've just been amazing, Steve. So if it's valuable to your audience, I'll offer this. Uh, number one to everyone, uh, we're going to roll out a personal productivity assessment in about two weeks. So if you'll go to becomingyourbest.com, you can take this personal productivity assessment. It's 25 simple questions about your life, and you'll get a score and see you know, where you're at right now and some things that you can do that would really help you be a better leader in your own life, your relationships, and with your team. Uh, so becomingyourbest.com, and that should be up. You know, we're rolling it out, like I said, in about two weeks. So if you release this podcast and it's not up, 
check back. It will be shortly. And, uh, Steve, if you don't mind, I'm going to offer them something just because of you that I really don't do very often. <laughs> uh, I mentioned a couple of times during this podcast that we have an organizational assessment. It's 55 questions, takes about eight minutes. Normally it's $200 uh, per person or employee to take it. Uh, for the first three people that send me an email to rob at becomingyourbest.com, I will send you a free link that you can use, customized link for your company, that you can take this organizational assessment and really you can thank Steve for this. It's his podcast, he's the one that made that happen. And so just send me an email to rob at becomingyourbest.com, tell me you listen to Steve's podcast and that you'd like a, a link to that organizational assessment. You can pass it out to your team and then I'll send you a, a PDF that will generate with all the results and what you can do as a leader of your team. And again, uh, mention that you were that you heard that on Steve's podcast and, and that's how I'll make the connect. Rob, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, hey, uh, don't hurt yourself if you happen to be exercising right now to go run and get that assessment, but make sure you get in. <laughs> go do that. So Rob, thank you so much again for that. That's very kind of you and we appreciate it here at Manager Mojo. Uh, we like to end our podcast uh, because we want to remind our leaders that, look, it's all about taking action. And I, I wonder if you might share what you would recommend to be your top one or two action items that you recommend people take today on this topic. Uh, well, as far as action items, number one, I would do what you suggested and go get the book. Bingo. Uh, because these 12 principles are not just our little creations. This is 40 years of research of what sets apart great leaders and high performers, and they're time-tested. As we've been talking about this entire podcast, they're very strong predictors of success. And so I would highly recommend, if you want to be a better leader in any area of your life, get the book and commit to read the book in the next 30 days. That is a big, big deal. And then number two, uh, take this assessment. See where you're at, because it really is all about action. You know, how do we take our good today and make it better tomorrow? And that's just how I tend to view my life. And those are two very simple things that anyone can do. Awesome. Uh, Rob, thank you so much. And our guest today has been Rob Schallenberger. He's CEO of Becoming Your Best. And it's patterned after the book, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. Uh, Rob, it's been awesome to uh, really absorb uh, your experiences today and our goal today to bless others has been fully filled and i thank you so much for your sharing your wisdom today and wish we wish you continued success in all the great work that you're doing well thank you so much steve you're a blessing to many people and thank you to all your listeners for making the time uh, for this podcast and it's been an honor and a pleasure for me to spend a few minutes with you steve so thank you